With everything costing so much more these days, it's handy to find ways to make a little extra cash on the side. So this week we are going to be diving into some useful ways you can make some extra money during your studies. Hello again and welcome back to the show. My name is Aaron and I'm joined by my co-host Julia. Hello. And this week, Julia, we are talking about how to make a little bit of extra cash during your studies, right? That's right. I think we were both quite lucky in our doctorate that we had fully funded PhD positions. Um, but we were also only looking for fully funded PhD mm. positions because self-funding was not an option for us. Um, some people are doing that, but I think that really gave us some... Yeah, kind of, <laughs> you can feel a bit more relaxed about when you know, okay, you have a, a regular salary coming in. Um, mine was uh, quite a normal PhD stipend level. So I think I was around 13,000 um, pounds, which probably is higher now with all yeah. the, with inflation and all that. But I think you had a bit um, of a higher stipend through your industry position. Right? That's right. And I guess it's a kind of early first step in the episode is that, you know, because my doctorate was industry sponsored, there was this top up that they gave um so again you know something when if you're in the position where you're looking for doctorates something to look out for is that if it is an industry sponsored one it's likely that you'll get a little bit extra over a regular doctorate um but you know today's episode we're going to be talking about those tips that you can do kind of more proactively if you're during your studies and again this is not just for doctorates it's for those you know who might be doing a bachelor's or master's um so we're going to share some sources of income that we used in our phd and also uh, summarize some other ways of making income during your phd as well so stick around with us till the end of the episode because we're also going to be sharing some really important considerations to consider uh, when looking at these different opportunities so let's kick things off with things that you can be doing within the university. So let's talk about some opportunities which are within the university. And I guess this is considered the more traditional route, right? And so one of the easiest things you can do is to ask around your department, your supervisors, your colleagues for opportunities. So for example, I did a few lectures on a module. So these were lectures that already had the content created. Um, It was just a case of you know, me knowing the time that I had to present it, looking through the slides beforehand and kind of maybe added some tweaks, you know, to make it more relevant, you know, to my specific expertise. But it was pretty much all done. It was kind of an oven baked, uh, ready to go Mm. um, lecture series. Um, And so that's one. And that was a very easy way. And that was just came from just asking my supervisor about teaching opportunities and if there was anything that I could do uh, to take over. Um, And Julia, I guess you did a similar thing, but it was, I guess, more specific to the medical field. Yes, so I did what's called case-based learning at the medical school for medical students, um, which meant that they were going for different medical cases um, every week. And as you said like it was kind of prepared so i just got a guide what needs to be covered in the session but it was pretty much led by the students and i was just sometimes prompting them to to look at different things so again in terms of how much time i had to put in to prepare for it um it was not not as yeah time consuming and i guess we're going to talk about more about different considerations um at the end but yeah so these are really good opportunities um to ask whether they're opportunities to lecture or give seminars tutoring within the department um also my friend she um who did a fully funded phd position as well um she worked um on the site as a research assistant um so also look out for these positions available i think at the beginning i I wasn't really 
um, aware that you're allowed to mm. work as well um, on top of doing your PhD. But I think um, if you are managing in your time to do all that, it's absolutely fine to do it. And um, exam marking, I think, is also something that colleagues of mine did or lab demos, if that's um, applicable to your field. I did some invigilation work, um, but I was already staff at that point, so I didn't get paid. <laughs> but I think if you're a student, um, some students will get um, paid for that. So that might also be uh, something you you could look for. Yeah, absolutely. And again, you know, it all starts by asking around. And, um, you know, another important consideration is to ask wider than your department as well. So get in touch mm -hmm. with the other schools in your department. Um, so, you know, trying to think of a good example here but so for example you know me working in sort of the engineering department we there was a little bit of overlap on some lectures with things like computer science with things like um kind of the more traditional engineering over in the manufacturing department there was a bit of overlap um and they were technically separate departments with different staff and everything so you know ask wider see if there are other people looking for teaching help and you'll be really surprised um Lecturers are always looking for teaching help. It's always a big help for them to have people take over the lecture content. So you'll be surprised just how much, how many opportunities there can be. Other things, so thinking about things which actually could be very useful, not only just from a teaching perspective, but also for your academic career, is to look for things like travel grants or actual small pots of funding. So very often there will be these kind of small grants available for things like maybe a thousand pound to go visit uh, to do a particular conference or there'll be a bit of money to maybe do a kind of visit to another mm. department in you know another country so very often so I know Germany is one of the ones which you know often have these kind of travel grants and with that money you can go visit another department and you know build your network and things but I guess it's not really earning you money because you can't use that money mm. personally but you at know, least it takes the pressure out if takes you the pressure yeah, off. yeah and you know it means you don't have to fund it yourself mm. and it's fantastic for your cv so even if you choose not to go into academia in an industry interview if you can say that you've actually won money um that's showing that kind of initiative so you can use websites like funding finder research professional if your university subscribes to it um and of course the ukri the research council um all websites where you can find funding and there might be ones which are specific to your country as well but these are the ones that i know from the uk mm. um and so there will be these kind of spots for little pots of money uh which can be very very uh lucrative and very useful to to be applying for um and julia i guess there's some other opportunities i guess i guess again sort of more local within the university yes yeah, so my colleague she was a warden so that means that she was allowed or was allocated housing on campus and i think she was allowed you live there for free or it's very very cheap and, and then you get some money on top of that um if you look after the students so you could be i don't know if the accommodation of undergrads or with postgrads and then you have to yeah certain responsibilities but i guess yeah it's then you have housing very close to where you work which is very convenient plus you get extra money i think the only disadvantage might be depending on the universities is that you're restricted when you are allowed to travel for example mm -hmm. yeah. um because obviously someone has to look after the students so that's maybe one disadvantage but um of all i think yeah the benefits outweigh sometimes negatives yeah yeah depending on your yeah, yeah. Um, it's position yeah i knew i knew 
people who quite enjoyed mm. that position as well yeah um they always had interesting stories exactly for, yeah <laughs> about their students so. exactly um, it never gets boring and then i guess the other option is to actually take part in studies around the university so at warwick uni there was a platform or a kind of local um, website that was within the internal to the uni called decision research at warwick i don't know if it's changed the name but that's that's what it was called back then there might be a similar platform at you your university where essentially studies are being advertised um you know sign up to if your uni has a yammer or a i think it's called microsoft fiverr engage or something strange now but it's basically a, a message board for the entire uni you might have something similar where again people are posting studies and chances are a few of them might be paid um it's not huge money, but hey, you know, if you get £10 a week or yeah, something. Or some vouchers. I took part in a lot of simulator studies at your department. <laughs> some slight motion sickness was a disadvantage. That's right. Yeah, you were definitely one <laughs> of hey. our go-to participants for a lot of the stuff. So again, it's another opportunity to potentially make a little bit of extra cash on the side, which, you know, every little bit helps, right? But you could also, of course, look at Unitems, which is a very good um, website in the UK um, to look for other opportunities um, or work in university owned cafes or restaurants. Again, I think the advantage here is that you don't um, have to travel or commute between different workplaces. You are already, I don't know if you work in the medical um, school cafe and then you can just go into your office and continue your PhD work. So uh, those are the opportunities within the university. So now let's talk about some which are outside of the uni. So let's talk about some opportunities that are outside of the university. Now, a lot of my students um, who I supervise actually continue to work professionally during their doctorate. Now, um, it, it you know comes with its own challenges. Uh, you know, it needs quite a lot of time management. I guess you have to work quite closely with your supervisors to make sure that you know, you can balance all the workloads, but working per time. So if you're coming from that position where you had a job and now you're doing the doctorate, then just know that there are possibilities to kind of switch to part-time work and to do the doctor on the side. And, and yeah, I think it's hard, it's hard work, but it is a possibility. And I guess but it's worth knowing. You could also start a new job, of course, right? So yep. one of my um, colleagues, she was doing a f um, fully funded PhD position and then later started working part-time mm -hmm. yep. on, on the side when she felt, okay, I do have the time for that and I would, I would enjoy doing something else on the side. So that's also possible. Um, another thing that my friend made me aware of is um, to to offer like proofreading services and um, for example she shared this website with me it's called Fiverr um, five, uh, Fiverr and then another additional R at the end um, and there you can just like put on like a profile and all the skills that you have so for example I could say like that I'm a native German speaker and then you can yeah help other people proofread stuff for them which yeah could be a nice thing if you don't have that much time on the side but want to make a little bit of extra extra money as well yeah it's a really good tip and actually I was speaking at my uh, old secondary school and I was giving sort of career advice to people and there were some people who were kind of you know wanting to build their experience and actually I oh, recommended yeah. them starting a profile mm. on there you know it's really easy and especially if you have side skills like if you enjoy doing other things like graphic design or mm. oh, yeah, audio yeah. design video editing anything really um, you can offer your services on there and you know make a little bit extra from your hobby as well which is you know very very useful uh, website to know about um, other things you can do is to look for recognized panel services so similar to taking part 
in studies around the uni you can you know join panels which are kind of wider uh, you can join as a field expert um, so for example Qualtrics and there are other uh, research panels available which you can sign up to and again they offer very good money and especially if you're at a doctorate level then you are considered you know a field expert so very useful mm-hmm. uh, to know about that kind of uh, opportunity as well yeah and again if you're um like speak several languages um then often there are some opportunities to do translation work so f- for example um and a lot of studies there systematic reviews are being done and sometimes there are papers included that are in another language so for my own review i needed um some papers to be translated and from spanish or, or french and then that could be something where you really use like international students to ask them for help um before you go to a professional service you can use um yeah the resources available at the university so that might be something for you yeah i think it's like you know never doubt you know the skills that you have it's very likely that someone needs those skills so never doubt that um and you know on that point providing tutoring as well so when we say tutoring of course you can be providing tutoring to perhaps you know bachelor or master level students at the university um but you can also do it in your local area for students who are at secondary school and the good thing about this is that of course you have complete control over your hours um you know how much effort you want to put into it it can be really rewarding as well so if you you know, actually have a positive impact on the students and, you know, they get their masters or bachelors or they pass their GCSEs or A-levels because of your work with them. Um, Incredibly rewarding, very, very satisfying. So there are different um, kind of platforms for this. Of course, you can offer your services on Gumtree, uh, Facebook Marketplace. There's a website called Go Student as well. So, you know, have a look at the going rate, you know, what's the kind of hourly rate for tutors in your area to, you know, to pitch yourself at the right level put your qualifications in you know emphasize the fact that that you're doctorate level you know which uni you work at the kind of expertise you have um you know think about the times that you can provide um of course you know in no way are we condoning any sort of like writing service where you're doing the work for them absolutely you know stay clear of that it's just an absolute no-go but doing things like proofreading or tutoring or helping them with homework and things like that within a you know in a tutoring capacity not doing it for them capacity um very useful and again it really is a good thing for your cv and shows that almost it's like running a business right it's your kind of freelance work so let's talk about some really important considerations with all these opportunities things that you need to consider when looking at these chances So let's talk about some really important considerations before thinking about these opportunities. And Julia, there's a few things that um, I guess a good starting point to start thinking about which opportunities to go for and which not to, right? Yes, and I think what's really important is to think about a mix of experience that is best for your CV and your future career. So for example, I said that I was um, doing case-based learning for um for medical students and so I did, I've done that for like I don't know a few years but then after that I thought it's not going to add something new to my CV right so um, I have it on my CV I, I can show that I have quite a lot of experience in doing it but I think just continuing on with that for more more years wouldn't add something to new to my CV um, so I think if there's another opportunity then um, it might be a good 
thing then to to switch it up to get other stuff on onto your CV in that if that makes sense. Um, and also, if you are doing a PhD and you're thinking about, for example, leaving academia, maybe then it's um, worth looking for consulting options, which I guess we haven't mentioned before, but that's also our I guess it's time with a part time. You could start um, looking for consultant options. So I wasn't doing it during my PhD, but later as a research fellow, I started working for a company um, as a consultant and so giving them advice on certain things. So I think if you want to leave a community, of course, you don't have to have um, industry experience before, but I think definitely that strengthens massively your CV. And also if you're at a, in a point in your career where you're not sure whether you're going to stay in academia or you want to go into industry, it's a great thing to just try it, right? To get a little bit of experience on the side. So then you can make up your mind uh, because you got a little bit of, a, of an idea how it would be like. Yeah. Um, so I think that that's something that I think is really important to think about. Yes. And I guess, Julia, with those kind of consulting options also, I guess, uh, kind of registering for tax purposes is also important, right? That's, yeah, good point. Um, so as I said, when I worked then um, for the company as a research fellow on the site and the company, you really, there are some things really to consider. So I had to then declare my tax for that. And also I think at the university, I had then to fill out a certain form to declare my extra funding where it's mm. coming from. Because of course, especially because um, it was related to the work that I was doing um, in my research fellow position, then of course you have to be careful that you don't have conflict and interest uh, conflict of interest and and things like that so yeah really make sure that you um uh, inform yourself at the university about um certain things to consider in terms of payment yeah and i think you know if you're a little bit confused on tax which i think pretty much 99 <laughs> of people are um you can get there's like free tax advice that you can get here in the uk i know a lot of the tax uh consulting firms uh they will give you kind of like an hour free and that's how often, i did it actually because i was it, right? very confused exactly <laughs> and i got some help um exactly yeah. so you know those kind of just an hour is probably all you need to sort out a relatively simple situation like this but it'll just give you that confidence that you're not doing anything wrong that's going to get you in trouble later on um speaking of tax and payment and all that sort of stuff um this sounds super obvious uh, but it's actually really important to sort out how you're going to get paid right at the start and so you'll be surprised you know especially with things within the university like lecturing and all that sort of stuff they'll be very happy to give you the work and sort out the payment later so very normally you will get paid after you do the lecture which is fine but make sure all the accounts for the payment you know your bank details are all registered at my old university at warwick this was done on a separate website um which i think it was on i think it was on you know it was on it wasn't even on uni temps it was a separate mm, website to yeah, that I remember. it was a STP. bit complicated it, it took so, some time yeah it was uh, something i never heard of and mm. it was specific to this particular situation um and so it was only after i'd done the teaching that i found out that i had to register which means that there was i think it was 10 weeks or 12 weeks before mm. I actually got paid because of course they didn't have a phone number I had to email them they had to set it up and all that so be sure to know exactly mm. what the payment process is and get registered on that yeah. because it's it's it will just save you a lot of headache and honestly the hours that you'll spend trying to get paid might end up you know kind of balancing out the money that you did earn yeah um talking about payment just it just comes to my mind now as well that i think it's really important to let if it's a supervisor that you're asking for i don't know teaching experience to let them know that you're looking for paid work because they will probably maybe also forget sometimes that um yeah you 
they will give you work for experience but won't consider necessarily that you need or you want to be paid for it um, so I think once they're aware that you are looking for ways to make extra money they also could um, look out then for opportunities for you if they're aware of that um, very important of course is um, to know your limits um, mm, a PhD yeah. is very time consuming can be very exhausting so uh, you have to be careful about um, your time commitments um, know maybe really how many hours you can set apart to do something else and um, but on the other hand I have to say sometimes I think doing something completely different or um, doing other work stuff can also be a big motivation booster and um, yeah if the PhD is going a little bit slow or um, yeah you're a bit bored about the part of PhD that you have to do or worried then I think it can also benefit you so even if you think you're putting on more work um, it, it can be nice to do something different on the side yeah it's a kind of like a refresher and I think I really enjoyed with my teaching experiences just that chance to do something which was still related but just slightly mm. you know gives me a chance to do something else which is still productive really valuable mm. um, and on that point Julie what you mentioned about kind of you know talking to your supervisors you know absolutely critical to let them know your plans cc them on emails uh, particularly if you're working within the uni and you're doing teaching content lecturing seminars make sure they are cc'd on the emails with that whoever's responsible for that teaching opportunity because again very easy for you know teaching staff not all the time but you know they'll be very happy to give you more and more um and so keeping your CC, um, your supervisor CC'd in on those emails, just make sure that you're not accidentally ending up with a very high workload. It can be very difficult, particularly if it's a senior member of staff, to say no to them or to say, you know, actually, no, I can't do that because mm. I don't think that's... It can be difficult to say that. So often keeping your supervisors in the loop very useful to make sure that they can step mm. in in case things are getting a little bit too much. And again, that's a good point really to, um, to when you start working... Uh, for something else if they are flexible hours that's great so you know okay you don't have the pressure that you have every week you have to work these hours you can like reduce or um, increase how it works around your phd exactly exactly so hopefully that episode has given you a range of different tips to make a little bit of extra cash on the side and i think the key thing is you know look for opportunities within and outside of the uni especially consider those which could give you that little bit of extra CV boost in addition to a bit of extra money um, and always think about your workload think about the hours uh, make sure you sort out your payment methods up front and keep your supervisors looped in and hopefully these opportunities will help you through your financial situations uh, through the years of your studies Well, thank you very much for listening to another episode of How to PhD. And as always, with our new segment, no, Julia's, what is this new segment? Julia's ending tip of the week. And this one's no. quite cool. I thought this is cool. I think it's a good addition to when the we show. We talked about uh, what opportunities there are. I said, like, my first thing was, like, walk a dog. <laughs> so there are ways where you can yeah. um, get paid to walk someone else's dog, which I thought is fantastic thing especially during the phd when you maybe um need some time to um to think about things or to relax and unwind then why not take someone else's talk out and get a little bit of extra cash for that um especially at a job i think phd we often just sit down of course if you have a laptop that's different but for me it was a pure desk job and then just um having um some time to walk and yeah earn a little bit of extra money be a good way hey, even if you're in a lab right i mean you're still in a 
inside environment True. all the time yeah. so you know uh, there's a few different apps for that you know you check them out if you google dog walking app and you can set your rates and get paid for it and i think it's pretty cool i think it's a if really good like idea dogs, if you like dogs say. yeah maybe there's an equivalent for cats i, I don't know <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to How to PhD. If you know someone who you think could benefit from this show, then please do share this with them. We really appreciate any time anyone shares the show. It's really, really helpful. Uh, and if you'd like to support us, then please leave a review over on Apple Podcasts or over on Spotify. You can leave a star rating uh, or you can visit our website at howtophd.show and leave a small donation through Buy Me A Coffee. And as always, thank you to everyone who's been so generous to leave us donations over on there. Uh, we love hearing from you contact at howtophd.show one-to-one at howtophd.show are the two emails for the respective services um x and instagram at howtophdshow and i think that's everything we want to talk about to this week so um have a wonderful week and we will see you all next time <laughs>